titled as the appearance of demon demon vitrasura text number 85 so 6.9.35 if you are looking at your soft copy okay difficult guess as there is a, a long meter i mean i don't know the meter to be honest but we'll try to sing it if you can if not then i'll just read it out yeah अथ त्र भवादत्वाह गुना Yeah, so atma rama means 
completely self-satisfied. Upasama. Upasama silaha. Self-control in nature. Samanjasa darshana. Not deprived of spiritual potencies. Udaste. Remains neutral as the witness. What does Udaste mean? Just remember neutral or witness. Both kind of that should be enough for now. Yeah? So what does Atma Rama mean without looking at the notes? <laughs> Satisfied. And Udaste? Neutral or being witness. You know? So just remember those two for now. Iti thus Havava Certainly Na Vidamaha we do not understand. Did we understand? <laughs> let's see if you, let's see if we understood the translation. Proper translates. These are our enquiries. Our here means the demigods. And I'll tell you about that in a little while. But our here means the demigods. Because the demigods are enquiring from the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So what are our enquiries? Hopefully we understand. Demigods did not understand. <laughs> but hopefully we can understand what the demigods are trying to understand. Yeah? Through the Popo Tushila Robot. So, so see if you can capture the question itself. Enquiries means question. So see if you can capture the question. Because it's a long translation. The ordinary conditioned soul. Who is this? All of us. All of us. Okay. So at least we are into the picture now. We can put ourselves into the storyline. So all of us which are ordinary conditioned souls. Condition means what? Conditioned by what? The modes of material nature. So just because it's a long translation, so I'll try to break it down as we read so we can register it. So we can almost paraphrase it by saying the ordinary conditioned soul conditioned by the three modes of material nature. So you can rephrase it by saying the ordinary soul conditioned by the three modes of the material nature. I want to insert the word material there for a particular reason, and you'll know why in a while. Yeah? So the ordinary conditioned soul is subject to the material laws. So Prabhupada brings for the first time the word material. The conditions are only subject to the material laws and thus he receives the fruits of his actions. What kind of actions are these? <coughs> material actions, yeah? Actions and reactions. Does your lordship, the demigods are asking, does your lordship, like an ordinary human being, exist within this material world? Prabhupada brings material for the second time. In this material world, in a body produced by material modes. Third time material is mentioned. So what is the question? Oh my Lord, in this material world, under the laws of the material nature, do you do material activities? That's the question. Do you enjoy or suffer the good or bad results of actions under the modes, under the influence of time, past work, and so forth? So let's bring it back to lamentance. Yeah, the question is, oh my Lord, do you, in this material world, under the modes of material nature, take a material body and do your material actions and therefore subjugated by the modes of material nature under the stringent laws of material laws, do you suffer and enjoy material actions and reactions? That's part A of the question. Are you this? Is their question. Or are you that? What is that? Let's see it again. So the second part of the translation. Yeah. Oh, it's there as well, right? Okay. 
or on the other hand, or on the contrary, are you present here only as a neutral witness? Here means what? Material world. Are you present in this material world only as a neutral witness? What is a neutral witness in Sanskrit? Udhasta. <laughs> I told you to remember that. Udhasta. Are you present here in the, uh, in the material world only as a neutral witness who is self-sufficient? Atmarama. Are you present here as a Udhaste and a Atmarama? That's the second part of the question. Or the second half of the question. Yeah? Free from material desires. So are you here in the material world but free from material desires, being Atmarama, and always full of spiritual potency? We certainly cannot understand your actual position. So please remember three things for now. Udhaste, neutral, witness. Atmarama, self-satisfied. And the question itself. And break it down question into a very, very succinct, simple tense. Are you spiritual or material in nature? Part A. Part B. Do you suffer and enjoy when you are in the material world? Or are you always happy? When you come to the material world, are you spiritual or material in nature? And when you are here, are you always happy or do you suffer and enjoy as well? That's a question. Now, actually, it's a good question. But, strange timing of the question. So, unusual question at the wrong timing. At least, that's how I have seen it. Why? I'll explain to you in a minute. Oma Gyanati Virandhasya Yananjana Shalakaya Chakshur Militam Yena Tasme Shri Guruve Namah Namam Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale Shri Mate Bhakti Vedanta Swami Niti Namya Namaste Saraswate Deve Gauravani Pracharine Nirvisesha Sunyavadi Pashyatya Desatarine Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Arvaita Dalatha Shivasadi Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So, let's look at the Popol. And then we'll try to break down the Popol a little bit as well as we go, yeah? Of course, Prabhupada writes in response to the questions. Popol. In Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says that he descends in this material world for two purposes. You know this, but please remember this as well. For two purposes, the Lord takes avatar. Namely, paritranaya sadhunam vinashaya chadustrita. So, to protect the devotees and to analyze the miscreants, right? Prabhupada quotes chapter 4 of Bhagavad Gita. To relieve the devotees and kill demons or non-devotees. These two, these two kinds of actions are the same for the absolute truth. So Prabhupada has first said the two purposes of Lord's appearance, but although they are two, they are same. Two actions, same, same, same action, which is absolute, which is the same. Why he writes that? We'll figure that out in a minute. When the Lord, Prabhupada, when the Lord comes to punish the demons, he bestows his favor upon them. So, punishment is what? A favor. And Prabhupada continues. And similarly, when he delivers the devotees, he gives them relief. 
he also bestows his favor. So two purposes, which is to, to analyze the miscreants and to protect the devotees. But the action is saying why? Because in both there is bestowment of favor. That is the consistent part in both. So killing is also a favor. And protecting is also a favor. Which doesn't sound very uh, logical when we are not in devotional cycle, right? Because killing somebody generally constitutes uh, a derogatory symptomatic emotions. But here Prabhupada says, either they kill or protect, it's both the same. That's why it's same, because the Lord is absolute. Prabhupada continues. Thus, the Lord bestows his favor equally upon the conditioned soul. What are the conditioned souls in this context? The demons and the devotees. And Prabhupada says that the Lord is equal to them. How is he equal? We'll discuss about that as well. When a conditioned soul gives release to others, he acts piously. And if he gives trouble to others, he acts impiously. So Prabhupada has moved from the Lord to the conditioned soul, which is, generally speaking, no? people. So when people act piously or they can act impiously, when they act piously, what is the outcome? Enjoyment. When they act impiously, what is the outcome? Punishment. And that is why the suffering and the enjoyment, which is going back to the demigods' question. Do you suffer or do you enjoy? Because demigods are asking this question to say, Lord, when you come, you protect the devotees and kill the miscreants. Seems like you are acting piously and impiously. Therefore, can we conclude that you actually suffer for killing the demons and enjoy for protecting the devotees? Because that is what happens to an ordinary conditioned soul. So are you like that? Hmm? Prabhupada is answering that question. So let's continue. When a conditioned soul gives relief to others, he acts piously, and when he gives trouble to others, he acts impiously. But the Lord is neither pious nor impious, because the Lord is equal. He is always full in his spiritual potency, by which he shows equal mercy to the punishable and the protectable. So the Lord is equal, and the Lord is neutral, and the Lord is a witness, and the Lord is a udaste. The Lord is, now Prabhupada brings the next point. The Lord is Apapa Vidham. He is never contaminated by the reactions of so-called sinful activities, which is the impious activities. The impious activities, when performed by the conditioned souls, will lead to suffering, because that's the karmic reaction. But Prabhupada says the Lord is Apapa Vidham. Apapa means no, pap, and Vidham means no, it does not touch him. So the Lord cannot be touched by sinful activities. The Lord is always absolute. So Prabhupada writes, the Lord is Apapa Vidham. He never he is never contaminated by the reactions of so-called sinful activities. What is the so-called sinful activity that looks like sinful that the Lord does? Killing the demons. So that activity of killing the demons, which seems like sinful, is not actually sinful. And in any case, the Lord does not get sinful reactions out of it. Why? Because he is Apapa Vidham. And I'll explain what Apapa Vidham is in a minute as well. Yeah? There's so much things to already explain, right? So many vocabulary in our mental list to unravel in the last 40 minutes. He is never contaminated by the reactions of so-called sinful activities. When Krishna was present on this earth, he killed many inimical devotees. But they all received sarupya. In other words, they returned to their original spiritual bodies. One who does not know the Lord's position says that God is unkind to him but merciful to others. 
And this is a very basic question that we also get generally asked. Hmm? Why did Krishna side? Why did Krishna take the favor of the Pandavas? He sided with the Pandavas and rejected the Kauravas. So isn't he partial? Because if he is impartial, if he is neutral, if he is just a witness, if he is just Udasate, then he should have equally parted with the side of the Kauravas. But he didn't. No? This is another general question. So, how is the Lord impartial when he sided with Arjuna? We'll discuss that as well. Actually, the Lord says in Bhagavad Gita 9.29, Samoham sarva bhuteshu name dveshyo na priyaha. I am equal to everyone. No one, no one is my enemy and no one is my friend. This is 9.29. I am equal to everybody. No one is my friend, no one is my enemy. And what does Krishna say to Arjuna in Bhagavad Gita? That I am giving you this knowledge. Why? Because I am giving this knowledge to you because you are my devotee and you are my friend. And what does Krishna say in 9.29? No one is my friend and no one is my enemy. So that's another contradiction. We will also reconcile that. But he also says, that is, the second part of 9.29 bhajanti tu those who do bhajanti or bhaktiya, those who worship me in devotion they are very special to me Prabhupada translates if one becomes my devotee and fully surrenders unto me I give him special attention so that seems contradiction the Lord has said that nobody is dear to nobody is my friend, nobody is my enemy but if somebody does devotions to me I give them special attention. Well, that seems like favoritism. So, is the Lord favorable towards his devotees and not favorable towards the demons? We'll unravel that as well. Before we do all that, before we unpack Prabhupada's purport, you know, uh, technology by technology, let's just set the scene. I said at the beginning that this is a little bit of unusual question. Actually, the question is great, which we have figured out. The question was what? What was Demigod's question? If you remember, sorry, are you spiritual or material? That was part A, part B. And when you come here, do you suffer and enjoy? So, why that question is great, but why is the question unusual? Is because if you have been listening to Bhagavad in the last a week or so, and especially in the last two days, what is happening in this situation? is the demigods have just, actually even yesterday, you know, when uh, I think Adhikrishna Prabhu was giving the lecture, and the day before that, Anirudh Prabhu was giving the lecture, I think. You know, you see the demigods are glorifying the Lord. You now, they are in trouble. When I last spoke on Bhagavatam, you know, in Nia, at that time I spoke that Indra was in trouble. In today, Indra is again in trouble. <laughs> Indra always seems to get in trouble. So, he's again in trouble. Why he's in trouble? You now, we'll discuss that as well. But just accept that he is in trouble. And when he is in trouble, the good thing that he is doing, he is taking shelter of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So when he is praying to the Lord, before the Lord appears, when he is in trouble, being attacked by Vitrasura, he is glorifying the Lord like anything. Not just Indra, but all the demigods, the whole contingent. Yeah? That, oh my Lord, you are supreme, you are you know, the source of everything, you are great, you are the protector of the devotees. Please you know, protect us, so on and so forth. All those glorious players which we have so many times from the, from the demigods. And the Lord becomes pleased with their prayer. Kind of not fully, 
condemns the prayer after some time, but I'll explain that again later. But, but the Lord still appears in front of the demigods, and when the Lord appears, what do the demigods do? Of course, the first thing we do when the Lord appears is what? Pray downwards. So the demigods pray downwards, and then they offer the second set of prayers. So there are two sets of prayers in this chapter itself. Indra and his party are in trouble. They approach the Supreme Personality of Godhead with prayer. The Lord appears, and then they offer a second set of prayers. So we are at the moment into the second set of prayers. In the second set of prayers, the demigods glorify the Supreme Personality of Godhead like anything again. But then they throw in this question. What is the question? Are you spiritual or material in Asia, mate? Right? Do you also suffer and enjoy like us, or who are you? So you see why the question is the strange timing. It's almost like asking what is 5 minus 6. It's a very nice question. At a primary school level. You can't ask the question what is 5 minus 6 in secondary school or tertiary school. The question is nice, but it doesn't fit into secondary school because you've already passed that once before. I'll come to you. So the question is nice, but the wrong timing. Now, that's not all. Not just the question is a little strange timing, but the whole episode is pretty unusual. So, we have understood the question. Let's put the question in the context of this episode. What is happening in this episode? The demigods are being attacked by the demons, which happens time to time. The demons and the demigods fight. That is not unusual. But generally what happens conventionally, who wins? The demigods. Here what is happening, and Bhagavatam does this time to time, it invades the normal doctrines. No? It invades me, you know, upside down. It puts the hierarchy upside down. The demons have got an upper hand on the demigods. They already had upper hand once when Indra offended his spiritual master, Brahmastadi. This is the second time Indra is in trouble because when Indra was not happy with his spiritual master, you know, he uh, offended him, went and found another spiritual master, wasn't happy with him, and beheaded him. And then again he is in trouble. So he is being attacked by the demigods, or by the demons. Now here what happens, when Vritrasura is attacking Indra, Indra, of course the battle goes, you know, and it reaches a climax, and Indra resorts to his last weapon. What is Indra's last weapon? Vajra. Vajra. The thunderbolt. Now, Indra has got a history of throwing the Vajra and as I said, conventionally speaking, it produces a good outcome. No? That's his winning googly, if you like. If, if, you, if, if you go back to the cricket scene, let's say, no? let's say you know, there's a famous bowler and his competitive advantage is his spin bowling, no? googly. And what the, bet, what the bowler has done time to time again, when, he throws, when, when the match is reaching a climax and he needs to get the wicket, he throws his dusra, no? his googly. What is he expecting when he throws the googly? Most of the time, I have got the batsman out and I will get him out because I need to win this. And he throws it. What happens in return? Two things. The batsman lofts him over for six runs. And on the way the ball is coming out of the stadium, it brushes off the spin bowler's head and there is blood. You know, he gets attacked by that ball and there is blood spitting from his mouth and all that and the teeth are, the jaws are broken. 
So what has happened here? When he was expecting to flatten the wicket, he has been hit for six and injured in the process. Same thing is happening to Indra. He throws his last googly, which is his Vajra, expecting to flatten Vritrasura. What happens in the end? Vritrasura does not only dodge the Vajra, he does not only deflect the Vajra. What actually he does, gets hold of it, helps it back at Indra. The Vajra goes and hits Airavata, injures him, breaks his jaw indeed, and there is blood spitting from his mouth. And Indra and, Bhat, and uh, Airavata both get pushed back so many distance. And Indra is completely shaken. He says, my goodness, I was expecting this to be the final ball in the match. But what do I do now? What would we do at this stage in our life when we thought that this is our last option, last solution, and it backfires? Thank God as devotees, we will do exactly what Indra did, yeah? <laughs> we will probably run to the temple, call our devotee friend to say, oh my God, this did not work either. I baffled, completely don't know what to do. And then we come to the temple and pray to the Lord to say, my Lord, you know, at the moment life is, seems there is no other option. I'm at that black end. Everything is blackish. I don't know what to do. And we come here running knowing that the Lord will give us some shelter. And we offer our prayer to the Lord, Radha Vallabha, and say, Are you spiritual or material in nature? <laughs> you, you see how it is uncontextual, you know? It's like you know he is spiritual, that's why you have come here. Why are you asking that question? <laughs> the Lord will say about somewhere else, you know. Lord will never say that, but you know what I mean. So like that, no? That's the thing. So two things here, I mean. The demigods are in trouble. They are asking a question to the Lord, are you spiritual or material? Do you enjoy a safa like ordinary human beings? I am in trouble. Please protect us. Now later on, and this is for another time in Bhagavatam, but later on the Lord condemns this prayer. Why? Because it is material in nature. What is the demigods asking from the Lord? Please protect us from this demon. And the Lord, when he starts speaking, says, yeah, seriously, is that what you want? Could have asked for something better. Which, which could have been? What could have they have asked for? Bhakti. They could have asked for bhakti, but they asked for material protection. So material protection is fine, but better than that is always bhakti. They could have asked for bhakti. If they had asked for bhakti, then the material protection would have been a byproduct. Correct? They would have been a byproduct. You ask one, you buy one, you get two for the same price. But they made the mistake of buying just one and forgetting the main thing, which is time to, which is generally what we do as well, right? We forget the main thing in, in, the, in the mix, which is bhakti. So let's look at the questions now. You with me so far? Have I really bowled you up? You with me? Yes. Okay. Let's look at the question number one. Are you materially spiritual in nature? Prabhupada explained that the conditioned souls are conditioned by the three modes of nature. So let's see how we appeared and then contrast it to say how the Lord appears. We know this, but as a refresher, right? How do we appear? So, according to our karma, we appear according to our past karma. And Deva Netrena, Netrena is eyes, and Deva is the Lord. So, under the supervision of the Lord, and according to our karma, we take birth. How do we take birth? Istriya Pravishta Udaram, you know. 
the soul enters the udana, the, uh, the womb of the mother, Pumso Reta Kanashaya, taking the shelter of the man's semen. And this is another question that God gets, gets asked many times. Now, at what point in time the soul enters the body of the baby or the fetus or whatever? No? At what point in time? And Bhagavatam tells us very categorically that the soul enters the womb of the mother, taking the shelter of the semen of the father. So life begets life, Prabhupada tells us. It's not that there is a body developing in the womb of the mother and then you know, on the first night or second night or seventh night or tenth night or one day, some people even say five months, the soul enters. It's not like that. It is the soul has to enter and then the body grows. Otherwise it's not possible. So Prabhupada says life comes from life. Life cannot come from matter. It's not that there was a matter and then the life got injected. So no, this is what Life comes from life. So that's, anyway, how do we take birth? Two things. Karma and supervision of the law. Any of you came in any other way? I want to go to the material world to check it out. Anybody did that? Nah? We probably don't even know when we get the one. Hopefully the birth certificate is correct. Hopefully. So Karmana Deva And how does the Lord appear? Janma Karma Chame Deviam Evam Yoveti Tatvata Tatma Dehna Punar Janma Naitima Naitiso Arjuna Janma Karma Lord's Janma and Lord's Karma Janma Karma Chame Deviam It is spiritual. So the Lord does not take birth according to Karmana Deva Netrena. The Lord takes, well he doesn't take birth to start with, but he appears because of his own will. We are forced, Prabhupada says. But the Lord chooses to come to this material world. So that is the difference. How does he end? And that's why Prabhupada picked up that verse to say, Prabhupada said, before you understand whether the Lord suffers or enjoys, before you understand whether the Lord is spiritual or material, first you understand why does the Lord appear here in the first place. So to understand a person's action, it is important to understand his position first. You understand the position and then his action. And then you can reconstruct that too. So what is, what is Krishna's position? He is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. He chooses to appear in the material world for two purposes. Which is Prabhupada explained, Paritanaya Sadhana Vinasaya And both of them are same because it bestows equal mercy. There is a favor in both the actions. Then question number two. And actually in Chattu Sukhi Bhagavatam as well, right? Brahma asked the similar questions to the Lord, you know. Are you spiritual? Are you material? What are your energies? Why do you appear so and so forth? And then the Chattu Sukhi Bhagavatam is there. Aham Sarvas, Aham Arasta, Aham Yavasam Yavagre, Nanyat Nishat Asat Param, Paschadaham Abhyatacha, Pyo Vashisiyata Shosmi, and then the next one. Let's might as well decide the Chattu Sukhi Bhagavatam. Next one. Hrite Yartam Yatrati Yeta, Naprati Yeta Chatmani. Then? Tatvignyat. You finish it over yourself. And then the third one? Yatha Mahanti Bhutani Bhuteshu Chava Cheshmanu Pravishthani Ya Pravishthani Tata Teshu Nateshvaham Anyway, so this will be So you can read that as well. In that section, Brahma is asking questions to you know, Lord to say, Are you spiritual? Are you material? Are you suffering? Are you enjoying? Who are you? Are you inside? Are you outside? And the Lord quotes the chat, not quotes, but gives the Chatushwaki Bhagavatam, which is the genesis of the entire Bhagavatam. Then the second question, does the Lord enjoy or suffer? Now here Prabhupada wrote 
that the conditioned souls act piously or impiously and therefore suffer or enjoy. But the Lord is neither pious nor impious. He is absolute. So his enjoyment and suffering are completely different. And then, and I'll explain about that in a minute, which was Atma Rama, right? And Prabhupada said that the Lord is Apapa Vidham. Let's just finish this part of Apapa Vidham. In the Ishopanishad, in the Mantra 8, it is said that the Lord is Suddham Apapa Vidham. Suddham means Piva. Apapa Vidham means that he is not touched by Papa. He is uncontaminated. So he is Piva and he is uncontaminated. And Prabhupada gives the example of the sun. Just as the sun can pick up clean water, evaporation, and it can also pick up dirty water, which is also evaporation. So both times the water is evaporating because the sun is so strong. But because the dirty water is evaporating, does not mean that the sun is contaminated now. Because the sun is untouched by the dirt in the water. So the load is... And then Prabhupada actually in Ishwabhita also writes this, this uh, focus, this, uh, this crux line that if the sun, which is material in nature, can be so powerful that it can purify something that is impure without getting in touch with that impurity, without getting contaminated, then just imagine the power of the Lord, how much more purificatory prowess that he possesses to purify us. If the sun can purify something, how much more powerful the Lord is. And that's why the Lord is up, Suddham Apapa with the Piva and uncontaminated by matter. Then Prabhupada ended the purport by saying that the Lord is <coughs> equal to everybody. He is equally disposed. He doesn't have enemies. He doesn't have friends. But he has got his special likings to the devotees. How do we explain that? The question becomes then, is the Lord partial or is the Lord impartial? Why does the Lord take the sides of the Pandavas and not of the Kauravas? How can he be impartial if he's siding one with one party? Let's answer that. Two things to understand. Firstly, the Lord is our father. Bija Maham Pitamaha. The Lord is our father. Because he's our father and we are his children, the Lord has got the universal responsibility. Father, a parent, has got the responsibility for all the children in the family, regardless of whether the children are pious or impious, regardless of whether they are virtuous or they are vicious. The father is equally disposed to them because that is the natural condition, position of the father. The universal responsibility for all the jivas being the father. In that way, he is completely neutral. Udasta. But he is responsible because he maintains us. He doesn't reject us. So how does he maintain us and how does he not uh, strand us by being as the Paramatma? He comes in our heart, lives with us regardless of whether we are pious or impious, criminals or devotees, whatever we are. He is always with us. Waiting for that receptive mood of the Jiva towards the Lord. Always constantly, eagerly waiting for us. So he is universally responsible for everybody, but he is also reciprocal. So he is reciprocal in the sense, as we surrender unto the Lord, the Lord reciprocates with us. Take an example. Now in this family, remember I said father, so let's take a Monday in family, right? In the family, let's say there are a few children, 
and there is the father. Now, father is equally disposed towards all the children. That's those of us who are parents can relate to this, right? All children are equal to us. But in our family, unfortunately, there are two kinds of children. One, who are who wants to protect the inheritance of the father, preserve the inheritance of the father, so that the entire family can benefit. These are the good children. Now there is another child who wants to squander the money of the father for his own selfish benefits without fairly sharing with all the other siblings. This is the bad child. <coughs> now the father is still equally disposed to both children, to all the children. But what is happening here, you could look at this in two ways. Father is especially inclined and affectionate towards the, 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 the better son in one way because he is doing the right thing. He's trying to preserve the wealth of the family for betterment of everybody rather than the other one who is very selfish in nature. So we can see this in two ways. One, the father is siding with the better son. But actually a better way to look at it is to this way. That the better child is siding with the father. You see the perspective immediately changes now. So the better son is siding with the father for the universal purpose of benefiting the entire family rather than saying and, and, and not so good child is not siding with the father. So you bring it to Arjun and Yordan example now. Rather than asking, which is a typical question, why did Krishna side with the Pandavas and not with the Kauravas? That question falls away if you change that perspective and then see like this, that rather than Krishna siding with Arjuna, Arjuna sided with Krishna. And literally, correct? Because Krishna gave that choice to both. Take me or take my army. And Krishna chose to side with, uh, Arjuna chose to side with Krishna. And Duryodhana did. Why? Because, Krishna, because Arjuna was aligned with the purpose of the Lord's appearance. What is the purpose of Lord's appearance? Main purpose, first and foremost, Protection of the devotees, yes, but even above that is, let's go back a couple of steps and I'll come back to this, right? The material world is created by the Lord not for us to suffer here. The material world is created by the Lord because we forced him to create it, but he wants us to get rehabilitated here and become re-spiritualized. That is his cosmic purpose. And it takes so many incarnations for this particular cosmic purpose of rehabilitating us from materialism to spiritualism. Why? Because he is the father and he knows till the time we are entangled in, in the material nature, we will be suffering. If we can reawaken our spiritual nature, this Krishna consciousness, then we will be happy. So he wants to see his children happy. And he comes again and again to re-spiritualize us. And in that particular purpose and mission, those who side with him are the devotees, Arjuna and us, let's say. No? 
participating in his global, not even global, but like universal, not even universal, more like cosmic, siding with his cosmic plan of re-spiritualizing the entire cosmos. To those souls, there's a step forward to assist Krishna in his plan, the Lord empowers them. Remember this word, empowerment. The Lord empowers them so that they can participate in his plans. That is Arjun, Srila Prabhupada, us, trying to preach. Those who obstruct the Lord's plan, the Lord also still stays with them and gives them special favor. Duryodhana. How? By disempowering them. So the Lord's empowerment of the devotees and the disempowerment of the demons are equal favor because the empowerment are, continues to align the devotee to the Lord's plan and the disempowerment jolts the demon, the atheist, so that they can be shaken more and more so that eventually in the long perspective they get realigned to the Lord's plan of rehabilitation of the material world and getting out of the cycle of suffering. So that's why Prabhupada says, whether it is Paritanaya Sadhunam, which is empowerment and protection, or Vinashaya Chaduspitam, which is disempowerment and punishment, they are both equal favor of the Lord to the condition to the condition and the unconditioned soul. Because they have got the same benevolence in the outcome. In the short term, it might seem like protection and killing, but in the long term it is both benevolent, it is both beneficial to the jiva. That's why the Lord is equal. So yes, the Lord is impartial <laughs> and you can also say that the Lord is partial. Or you could say that the Lord is impartially partial. But put it in the context that the Lord is impartial because He is equally available to both Arjuna and Duryodhana, to everybody. Everybody is His children. Those who side with His plan, He gives them special empowerment and favor and attention and love and affection. Those who don't, face the other side of his heart. But that is also for the veterans. Yeah. Like that. So, what does all that for me... Actually, let's answer this one more question. I still have time. And then I will answer... Then we'll bring it all to what does it mean for us. Atmarama. Remember, I had said that. I'll explain that as well. Atmarama. So, the Lord is spiritual. And therefore... And not therefore. The Lord is, is spiritual and the Lord is Atmarama. He is always self-satisfied. He is always happy. Now, the demigod's questions are... Actually, are you always happy? Or sometimes do you suffer and enjoy as well, especially when you come in the material world? And this is a very basic question again to those who come from the, uh, no, those who study Ramayana, you know, those who hear Ramayana, this is a very basic question. Why? Lord Ram uh, exhibited this time and time again, you know, that Vipranamba Bhava, when we see that he seems to be like really, really suffering. Especially with the agony of, you know, the separation from Mother Sita. He is roaming around in the forest looking for his dear wife and it just comes across he's like a handbag husband who is searching after his wife. And people get completely bewildered and baffled by this leader and then take him as an ordinary person. So therefore the demigods questions are general. Are you actually suffering on this or, or not suffering? The answer is both. The Lord is Atmarama. So therefore he is always happy. But the Lord also suffers. What is the difference? In the spiritual world, the world, the Lord, maybe just let's go back to the context, the, the concept said. 
the Lord is infinite. We are finite. We can be happy or we can be sad. Can we be happy and sad at the same time? Maybe, maybe time to time. But generally speaking, we are either happy or we are sad. Matra is prashastu kaunteya situashana sukadukata. We are happy, then we are sad. Like winter and summer. Winter and summer, we are happy and sad. But the Lord is infinite. The Lord can be happy and sad simultaneously. And the, because the Lord has got many, many forms as well, and many names, many forms, the Lord can have in one form happiness, in the other form concern. Now that concern, and if I call it suffering in inverted commas, it's not a material suffering. Yeah? It is still spiritual in nature, but it's seven. So when is the Lord saved? That's the next question. Lord is always happy, Atma Rama, but the Lord is also sometimes concerned and sad. When is he concerned and sad? When those souls who are not aligned with his mission of becoming happy. The Lord is happy, he wants us to be happy. That's why I said the reason for his appearance is the cosmic uh, re-spiritualization. So those people who don't ally to that mission of happiness, the Lord is said to say, my dear child, so stubborn in nature, suffering after suffering after suffering after suffering, even I come to you personally, I'm always situated in your heart as the Paramatma, and I take so many forms to tell you, I send so many Acharyas, I send you so many books, I send you so much prasadam, so many festivals, so much kirtan, so much I am sending you. How can you still be so stubborn? And be attached to this material world and therefore suffer. Seeing your suffering, I am saddened as a father. Please wake up, Jiva Jaga. And please take up your Krishna consciousness so that you can become happy. So the, because See, a lot of people also take to atheism because their question is what? Not their question, they are, they are tenement, tenant is what? That, how can your Lord be so sweet and merciful when there is so much suffering in the world? No? Hear this? Especially when we had that pandemic. This was a typical statement. That God does not exist. If He existed, how can there be so much suffering in the material world? And you can reiterate the question by saying, or rephrase the question by saying, how can the Lord, our Lord, Radha be so sweet when his children are, uh, be, be, be so sweet and be so happy when the children are suffering? So, in that context, it is, you can, you can say like this, yes, the Lord is concerned and sad for us in different, different forms. So, yes, the Lord is always happy and the Lord is also sudden. He is sad because we are sad. Paradukaduti. <laughs> right. And Acharya is they are always happy, but they are suffering because they see that they cannot withstand the suffering of the jiva. So that's Atma. Now, last thing, what does it all mean for us? Paritranaya sadhuna vinashaya jadustritam, visore. The Lord comes here to protect us. Why? Raise your hand. Why has the Lord appeared in this context of the Bhagavad In front of the demigods. We discussed this. It's not a rocket science question. I just want to see who was following us. Why has the Lord appeared in this section of the Bhagavatam in front of the demigods? Huh? 
They prayed for him, yeah, but why is he appeared? What did they pray for? Yes, huh? Yes, suffering. And they prayed for the suffering that they said, Oh my Lord, give us more suffering. Yes. To protect. The demigods have prayed from, for protection from Mitrasura. So they are materially going through some tribulations at the moment and they are praying for protection from Mitrasura. And the Lord has appeared in front of them because the demigods are also devotees, mixed devotees, and the Lord has come to protect them. And the Lord condemns their prayer by saying, you could have asked for more. Why are you asking for protection? So for us, this is another typical question. Yeah? Can we pray for the Lord for our protection? And the answer to that question is, yes, of course we can. We can ask Him for our spiritual protection. But, what the Lord says, you could have asked for something better. You could have asked for devotional service, for bhakti, for my love. And as I said before, if we ask for His bhakti, His love, His special mercy, then not only will He protect us, but we will also be satisfied. We will also become we will relate to that Atma Rama disposition of the Lord. So the Lord gives us two things. Protection and participation. The Lord can give us protection, but He also gives us participation. So He not only protected Arjuna, when Arjuna saw the universal form, two questions He asked, remember? Who are you and what is your mission? And the Lord said, Kalausmi, Kalausmi, I am time. And what is my mission? Vinayasaya Dustritam. To analyze the mystery. And then after answering Arjun's two questions, who are you and what is your mission? The Lord said, I am time and I am here to kill the miscreants. Then what did he tell to Arjun? Nimitta Matram Bhavasavyasachi. You become my instrument. So the Lord has of course come to protect the Pandavas. But what he is telling Arjuna that you participate in my global plan of re-spiritualization. You want to participate or not is your choice, Arjuna. But I am encouraging you to participate. Pick up the bow and arrow and fight. Because that is my mission. So we as sadhakas, we have got this absolutely golden opportunity to participate in the Lord's plan. And that plan has been very nicely and elaborately explained by Srila Prabhupada. Took it from India. Broadcasted it all over the all over the globe, including Melbourne, where we are sitting, and that plan is very clear to us. The Lord can re-spiritualize the entire world, but and Prabhupada was asked this kind of question, now If the acharyas were so powerful, why couldn't he, why couldn't they make everybody Krishna conscious? Something along that line. And Prabhupada said, because he wanted you to be engaged in the service. So that service is the participation. There is an opportunity for us. There is a job available on seek.com bhagavatam.com and what is the job description come to the temple chant Hare Krishna Mahamantra purify yourself and go and preach and you will be what is the remuneration what is the salary package eternity knowledge and bliss that is our pay every day we will get this pay such chit ananda is our pay check if we take up this job oh if you don't want to take up this participation, we can ask the Lord for the protection only. But just know this, as the Lord is telling Vritrasura, uh, Indra and the team, that, part, that asking for protection may give you safe, safety. Protection gives us safety. No? When we are in trials and tribulation time, when we ask for protection, we get that safety assurance. 
the safety net, which is our uh, uh, bupa.com. <laughs> Even bupa can do it <laughs> or need. So that is so protection will lead to safety, but participation will lead to satisfaction. When we participate, and those of us you know we are in this movement. We know that when we participate, whether it is garland making, whether it is preaching, whether it is cooking, whether it is book distribution, dancing, kirtan, member service, donation, cleaning the courtyard, everywhere. When we participate in Krishna consciousness, we become satisfied. Correct? We have that realization. There is a satisfaction which we have never tasted before. No, it's, it's spiritual in nature. So, protection, safety, participation, satisfaction. Choose. Nimit Matram We can choose. The road is waiting. The road is always happy. His only consent because we are not happy. And when his consent for the demigods, he appears. The demigods ask for protection and the Lord gives them the safety, tells them how to kill Vitrasura. But then he says you could have asked for more. You could have asked for you know, something that could have given you eternal happiness rather than this thing. So that Vritrasura pastime to conclude with is also, I said, you know, is another invasion in the Bhagavatam, which is, which is again, you know, changing upside down the conventional principles. Why is it an invasion? Is because Vritrasura is a demon. He is born of a demoniac family, in a demoniac family, and his nature is demoniac. So, his transition is very dramatic. Let's take another example and then we'll come back to this. You take Prahlad Maharaj. Prahlad Maharaj is also another invasion. Prahlad Maharaj, not Maharaj, let's say Bhakta Prahlad, you know, at that point in time. Bhakta Prahlad is born in a demoniac family. He is not a demon. And he doesn't look like a demon. Prahlad looks like a very tender, you know, nice looking, cultured, clean, devotee. Born in a demoniac family, but appearance is very devotee-like and behavior is definitely devotee, exalted devotee. So there is also an invasion because in a demoniac family a devotee is born. Why Bhagavatam brings all these kind of leaders is to show us the point that supremacy of bhakti is always there. Bhakti is not dependent on anything including our birth. We could be born from a demon, but be a devotee, Prahladism. And in this case, now you bring in Vritrasura, which is more dramatic. Vritrasura is born in a demoniac family looks demoniac, his name itself is demoniac because Vritra means that which covers and he was so big that you could cover the entire world, it darkened him. So that's Vritra Asura, no? demoniac which is covering everything. Born in a demoniac family, looks like a demon and definitely behaves like a demon. But comes the invasion. At some juncture in the Bhagavatam, when the fight is ensuing between Indra and Vritra Asura, there is a 180 degrees shift in his in his whole bhava and he starts offering beautiful prayers to the Lord. You compare and contrast the prayers of the demigods to the to Vritrasura, which will happen very soon. It will come across that the demon, the, 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 the demigods are actually demoniac, and Vritrasura is the devotee. And he indeed is a devotee of the Lord, you know, in his last stage of his life. So the demon is devotee and the devotees come across as you know, asking for something material. So that's again changing the hierarchy of... Again, why do you bring that point? Is that even a demoniac person can become a devotee. A demoniac birth does not matter, we can become devotees. 
And if we have taken godly birth, divine birth, saintly birth, and have fallen down, we can again become devotees, like Vritrasura. So Bhagavatam whole mood is to say that no matter participate in the plane of the Lord, which is Bhakti Yoga, and you will be satisfied. So we want satisfaction or not, that is always our choice. I will stop here. I'm happy to take any questions or comments. Yes. I just want to know how where do you draw the line between the responsibility and God helping our grace? For example, I say So can you just go back to the question again? Where do you draw the line? Draw the line between individual responsibility and then God helping the devotee, waiting for God's grace. Yeah. And you know, Yeah. And then an example you were about to give an example. example was like, you know, how can I you know I just I will chant and then you know, there's a waiting for God's appearance or you know, something that like help or support from the Lord. Yeah. Or, should, or should I take you know, responsibility for my actions and yeah. So the question is now where do we draw the line between responsibility and irresponsibility? Because if we just depend on the plan of the Lord, then we may do nothing because the Lord will do everything. And if we do our part, then how do we know that there is the plan of the Lord? Yeah? So answer to that question is we we have to act. Huh? And that is being responsible. So there is responsibility and there is negligence. Negligence will mean that we are not doing our duty and just thinking that the Lord will take care of everything. At some stage that is fine because it's a fully surrendered soul. But responsibility means we do our part and leave the outcome to the Lord. Responsibility means we do our part but leave, leave the consequence to the Lord. But when we do our part, our responsible behavior constitutes a behavior that is aligned with the scriptures. And that is why there is Guru Sadhu and Shastra to guide us that what are the framework within which we should do our duty. Now you take this example to Bhagavad Gita. Arjun's irresponsibility is to run away from the battlefield of culture because that is irreligious. So his duty, he is a Kshatriya, He's more than a Kshatriya, but no, as, a, as a military officer, Krishna is saying, at least based on your Varna Ashrama Dharma, you should fight. What to speak about on a Bhakti Dharma, on a Bhakti Yoga, you should definitely fight. On the Varna Ashrama system, you should fight because you are a Kshatriya. On a Bhakti Yoga platform, you should definitely fight because I am telling you to fight. Whether there is religion, religion, don't worry. The Lord instructs, the devotee does. So Arjuna has got two choices. To run away from the battlefield, which is irresponsible, or to fight at the battlefield which is responsible behavior. In both, the consequences are not in Arjuna's hand. That is why Krishna is saying, Nimitta matram You become an instrument, leave the consequence to me. Do your duty, leave the results to me. So in our lives, where to draw the line is if we act according to Guru Sadhu and Shastra, if we are doing the right thing, that is our endeavor. The Lord will take care of the outcome. And the Lord can adjust the outcome, regardless of whether our endeavor is uh, uh, full-hearted or half-hearted. But as long as we are trying to, uh, he looks at the sincerity of the endeavor. When the endeavor is sincerely performed, then the Lord will give us directions to make that endeavor even more and more pure. And he will, con- he will, he will, he will control the outcomes. So we draw the line that we should be responsible.
and leave the results to... I'll give another example, yeah, to, to make that point. If you see somebody drowning in the water, we can do two things. Irresponsible behavior will be to say, yeah, it was his karma, he's drowning. <laughs> let him, let him die. If I save him, I am interfering with the plan of the Lord to kill him. <laughs> that is irresponsible behavior. The responsible behavior is this jiva is drowning in the ocean. And I, if I know how to swim, by the way, <laughs> otherwise don't jump. <laughs> Throw some rope or something. <laughs> if you know how to swim, or if you have got some means of saving his life, then the responsible behavior is to save him. Whether you are successful or not in saving him, that is within the control of the Lord. That is where you draw the line. So your line is to jump in the water. Whether you drown and he drowns or both of you survive, that is for the Lord to take care. Yeah? Have I answered your question? Yes. Okay, thank you. I've got four minutes, yes. Thank you. You said that the Lord is Atmarama, but sometimes we see like in the Mahabharata that Abhimanyu was killed by the Kauravas. He was like, uh, Lord Krishna was crying and his blood flowing from his hands, so like how do we understand? Yeah, okay. So the question was, you know, given that the Lord is Atmarama, he is always happy, but time to time again, you know, we took the example of Lord Ram, who was, uh, uh, who was grieving in... Uh, Separation of Mother Sita. Another example. When Krishna is grieving, you know, and blood and tears are coming from his eyes and everywhere else because Abhimanyu has been killed. So how do we reconcile the two? So the answer to that question is the same. That the Lord is infinite. He has got the capability to display multiple emotions simultaneously. He's got the ability. He is a person. No, he is he's not a rock that has got no feelings. If Krishna had no feelings and he is always only in one feeling, then that will make him not so sweet good. No? Like, how can you be happy when I am something? How can you be smiling and laughing when Abhimanyu is dying? No? That will make him not such a nice god. A nice god is one who, who adjusts to the situation and that is instable. So, but the point is, when because he is Atmarama, two things. Because he is Atmarama, he does not need anybody to increase his happiness. He can do it individually. No? Buddhi Vardhana, Ananda Buddhi Vardhana. It is continuously increasing. His, his, his Ananda is continuously increasing exponentially. So he does not need any external person to increase his happiness. Part one. Part two, nothing external can diminish his happiness. You see, that's why he's absolute. Nothing is needed to increase his happiness. Nothing can take away his happiness. So, Abhimanyu, alive or dead, does not take away his happiness. He is always Atma. But equally, because he is a person and he has got feelings, he is a sentient being, when his dear devotee is leaving his body, he weeps. But that's a spiritual separation or transformation. Because if he doesn't, when Arjun and others are crying and the Lord, how will we know if somebody has passed away and we go there and we say, ah, we are devotees. <laughs> you know, they know he's dead, don't worry, it was only the body, the soul is, you know, cannot be cut by weapon, chinnam, chintanti, shatnani, nainam, chintanti, you know, you know this rest. 
We don't recite all these verses when somebody has passed them. Although we know. We don't go and tell them, ah, he was just a body. Why are you crying over our dress? It was just for the Dharma and all that thing. <laughs> you are laughing. <laughs> yeah. So we don't do all that. We re- Even we are devotees, we have got the Siddhanta, we have got the Tattva, but we relate to the situation and grieve in their grieving, which is called bereavement. Yeah, we grieve in their grieving. So the Lord is like that. He is the Father. No? So he grieves when others grieve. But it is a spiritual emotion. It's always his spiritual. So he is laughing and he is crying are all the same. And he can do the both together. Mm-hmm. He is multifunctional, simultaneously. Okay? Done? Or oh, maybe one last question? No? Sorry? Ah, Udaswi. Okay. That's the one part I didn't explain. So the Lord is Udaswi, Udaswa. You know, he is Udasino Navaris. He is neutral. So the Lord is a person. Coming back to this question, the Lord is a person, he's got feelings which are his spiritual nature, but his whether he's killing or he's protecting is the same. Whether he is crying or he's smiling is the same. Whether he is looking and eating is the same. He looks at our prashandam and eats it. Thank God he doesn't actually eat it. Because what will be left for us? <laughs> Everything will disappear. So he eats with his eyes or with his ears. He can do anything. So like that. So the Lord is the Lord is reciprocal and the Lord is also neutral. So when he is Udaste, when he is neutral, he is in the form of a Paramatma. He has the super soul in our heart. When the Lord accompanies us from body to body, he is Udaste. Upadrishta Anuman. No, uh, chapter 11, Bhagavad Gita, 11, chapter 11. No? So the Lord says that I am Upa, uh, Upadrishta and Anuman. No? Upadrishta means, Upa means Upad, no? Aya, and Drishta means vision. So the Lord is the supervisor, like a judge, Prabhupada says in that book. And Anumanta means, so Hindi what is means above, no? above, above, supervision, a vision from super, like a superman. No? He's super than a man, so like higher vision. No? So he's got a supervision. Why is the Lord, why, how, the, how does the Lord have a supervision? Because he's a super soul. <laughs> Everything about him is super. So as a super soul, he's got a supervision in which he's a neutral judge. He does not interfere with our choices. He's given us a free will, which is limited in nature. In that he says, if you want to be a devotee, if you want to be a demon, I'll arrange both. So the Lord arranges for us to become demons if he wants to be a signals in nature. He doesn't interfere. He guides us, but he doesn't interfere too much in the Paramatma form, which is his neutral witnessing form. But what he is doing, he is waiting, because he is also a father, he is waiting there and waiting and waiting for us to say, Oh my stubborn son, Dota, at what point in time will you look at me? I am waiting now. You are, you got kids? So we can relate to that bhava. Yeah? Imagine a child is run away from us. What will we do? We'll just wait and wait and wait for the child to come back to us. It's natural to no? So the Lord is the same. Not the Lord is the same. We are the same because the Lord is like. So we are so the Lord is just waiting for the child to come back and look at him again to say, no, oh my dear father, no, I made a mistake. Please rehabilitate me and take me back in your shelter. But till the time the child is stubborn, the Lord is a judge and a witness on will ask them. He doesn't interfere. At the point in time, the soul turns around and looks at the Lord to say, My Lord, 
you are so sweet, and I made a mistake, please accept me. At that point in time, the Paramatma in the heart, which is Udhaste, becomes Bhagwan form. And in the Bhagwan form, then the Lord takes charge of us. So if we want to do something wrong, and if we are sincere, He will avoid, He will make arrangements so that we don't do those wrong activities. And when we want to do something right, which is participating in His plan, He will make arrangements so that we can participate and become happy. So until the time we surrender, the Lord is just you know, a neutral judge. After we surrender, He becomes a personal father. Until then, He is a judge. So the judge can be a father at home, correct? The judge sitting in the Supreme Court is also a father at home. But when the son comes into the courtroom, the judge is very formal because it's a formal setting. He doesn't say, oh my dear son, what have you got against the defendants? No, no, it's, it's very formal. But when the, subjects, when, the, when the same judge goes home, then the relationship to the son is very affectionate. So until in the end, it depends on the environment. When we take the Lord, uh, it's non-existent, doesn't matter, he is a Paramatma neutral. But when you take him as a personal loving father, he becomes Bhagavan. Any guys? Is that clear? Okay, I'll definitely stop here because uh, otherwise you'll throw the thunderbolt in. Bhagavatam Kijay Shri Lakhova Pat Kijay. Motivation of Indigi.